What up, what up, what up? This is Straight the Clipper coming at you with Bring the Noise Podcast. And you know what it is and you know what we do. Now remember what I said, the month of August. We're bringing it back to the triple OGs. The pioneers, the ones that started this hip-hop shit. Because like I always say, if hip-hop is really a part of your life and you really, really, really be loving this shit, you got to give it up to the ones that paved the way the ones that helped start this shit. So last week we did the Sugar Hill Gang. Obviously it can't be overstated on how monumental Sugar Hill Gang is, right? Obviously Rapper's Delight set it off. Well this week we're going to be hitting you with something just, yo, something crazy, okay? <laughs> and I know I say that a lot, but this one is going to the original, the one, the only, the father of hip-hop, the inventor we're going to do an artist review of DJ Cool Herc. That is right. Now, I say this and I mean everything I say when I say this. If you love hip-hop, if you don't know who DJ Cool Herc is, if you are a hip-hop artist and you don't know who DJ Cool Herc is, if you do anything hip-hop related like a podcast like I do and you don't know who DJ Cool Herc is, stop what you're doing. Okay? Don't make any more songs, don't make any more episodes, and go figure out who the fuck DJ Cool Herc is, because you're playing yourself if you don't know who he is. Without DJ Cool Herc, none of us would be doing this shit right now. Get that through your head right now, okay? Without DJ Cool Herc and what he invented, which is hip-hop, okay? The man invented this shit, alright? Yes, he didn't do it by himself. He had helping hands. The problem with uh, the history of hip-hop is, you know, there's not a lot of documentation. So, yes, there was forms of hip-hop prior to DJ Cool Herc. Yes, there was helping hands that helped invent this, but he is the recognized father of hip-hop, okay? And that's why today, in the month of August, we're giving it up to the Triple OGs, and we're giving it up to the one, the only, the father of hip-hop, DJ Cool Herc. And without further ado, let's review this man. The, the, ho, ho. Let's do it. Aye. So, Cool Herc was born Clive Campbell, April 16th, 1955. He was born in Kingston, Jamaica, okay? So, yes, he was born in Jamaica. His dad was a mechanic. His mom was uh, in nursing school, okay? So, growing up, you know... In Jamaica, he was opened up to a lot of different type of music. He was opened up to the dance hall style of music. And down there, it was loud, booming systems, right? That's what he came up on. They also did listen to American music. He is cited before he grew up listening to Bing Crosby, Smokey Robinson, Marvin Gaye, James Brown, one of the big ones right there, right? And then where he's from, he also grew up listening to that type of music like Don Drummond's, Scatterlights, Prince Buster, Uroy, you know, and some of those, you know, Jamaican artists uh, that, that were big down there during the time, right? So the thing is, is his dad was very much into music. So he grew up 
with all this musical, you know, even though his dad was a mechanic, he said he always grew up with his dad playing music all the time, you know. That's how he heard half of this stuff, like James Brown and, you know, all the other ones I just mentioned. So he was also the oldest of six kids. He had three brothers, three sisters, okay? And his dad was also a bodybuilder. By that, I mean because he was a mechanic, he basically was big in stature. And when we get further into Cool Herc's um, life, you'll find out why they call him Cool Herc. He was also known for being a big dude, all right? So he lived in Jamaica till he was 12 years old. So, uh, you know, quite a bit of time down there that he remembers. He He's like, you know, we had... Uh, land. We had, you know, pineapple trees. We had it pretty good down there. But like I said, his mom was in nursing school. And so they had three places that they could move to. They were either going to move to England, Canada, or the United States, right? Well, obviously, the United States is always the big one that people tend to move to. So in 1967, when he was 12 years old, they ended up moving to New York, the Bronx, okay? And uh, he always has stated in some interviews, which uh, let me tell you, it's hard to find interviews with Cool Herc. He's kind of uh, a little bit to himself. So I want to cite the Combat Jack show because they had a really awesome interview with Cool Herc. And a lot of my research, um, you know, obviously I already knew about Cool Herc from things. But like to really find out more about the man himself and not just his inventing hip-hop history, you know, to find out more about when did he move here. Like, he, he really revealed a lot in that, so shout-out to Combat Jack. But, so when he was 12, he moved uh, to New York, 1967, and he was like, you know, I thought that it was going to be, you know, we're going to America, you know, and he's like, when I got there, it looked like a refugee camp, because if you remember... The Bronx was not doing too good throughout the 70s. Granted, he, he moved there in the late 60s, but he's like, it, you know, it was definitely some getting used to, definitely getting familiar with American customs. So when he moved here, he would get in fights a lot. And he does cite that the 5% nation came to his rescue more than a few times, um, you know, when he would be getting into fights because they didn't really have many Jamaican, uh, people of Jamaican descent around there so they all would be like why are you talking like that you know what the hell what are he says he remembers a girl making fun of his shoes just clowning on him saying you got them roach killers on and so you know he had to really kind of find his way in the american customs and thanks to uh the five percent nation and of course his good friend coke Rock, who eventually ended up uh he ended up meeting that would school him to uh to some of the, you know, basically how to survive in America. Granted, he didn't meet Coke LaRock till a little bit later, but nonetheless, that was kind of his things that he, uh, you know, had to go through at first. So as he continued to get older, he ended up becoming a part of a group called the Ex-Vandals. So these were graffiti writers. Again, graffiti is the first element of hip-hop really to be... Uh, introduced Um, so he would go around and this is where he kind of got his name so people would say his name wrong all the time they call him Clyde he's like my name's not Clyde it's Clive right okay so but he just kind of embraced it because of Clyde Frazier so he would write Clyde is cool or they called him Cyclops because of his aggressiveness on the basketball court 
And so he would put, you know, Clyde is cool or, you know, cool Cyclops or something like that. And then, um, you know, he also always said that not only because of his aggressiveness in basketball, he could jump because he's always been known for riding a bicycle. And he would ride all over the place, even Coke Rock. Uh, again, his good friend, the first MC ever, by the way. And we'll get in more to uh, Coke Rock when they start doing their kind of career. But uh, Coke says he first met Herc when he was riding the bike because he would just ride his bicycle all over the fucking place. So he, his legs were strong, as Herc has said. So he could jump, he could dunk, and he was huge, right? So then, eventually, uh, he, he didn't, you know, people started calling him Hercules because he was so big, you know, he was so strong, his aggressiveness on the basketball court, dunking and all that good stuff. Uh, he didn't like being called Hercules, though. So he asked, you know, he's like, stop calling me Hercules, call me Herc. And so... You know, they started calling him Herc, and then he kind of added onto it being like, okay, well, I already call myself, you know, Clyde is cool or whatever. I'm going to I'm gonna call myself Cool Herc. And that's how it literally started like that, and it just picked up. Everyone was like, cool. He even says that his dad would start calling him Herc. Uh, kind of like, and he cites the Nas song, you know, when uh, with uh, Nas's dad, when he goes, name the boy Nasir, but all, the, all his friends called him Nas. So it was, you know, even his dad, everyone called him Herc. And that's what stuck with them, right? And so uh, around this time was also, you know, now we're reaching into the 70s, right? And around this time, you know, his dad had bought a, a sound system, a PA system, right? Which would eventually end up being the Herculoid. A lot of people think the Herculoids or the Herculoid was his group, but... That's not the case. The, he, the Herculoid was actually the sound system. Uh, so there's a fun fact. I was also, again, you got to remember, guys, you got to do your research. Yes, I'm 34 years old. I was nowhere near even being thought about at the time when hip hop was being created. But just like any other genre of music, you get into rock, you need to know who the Rolling Stones are. You need to know, you need to go further back. You need to know who all these pioneers are and everyone does it's no fucking different with hip-hop guys now here's the thing i know i wasn't there yeah and i mean but you know do your history do your lessons because uh why not man i love learning about this shit and you owe it to the triple ogs to know your shit anyway so the herculoid it was a sound system right started as a pa system as dad had bought so it was a it was a sure sound system and uh, he talks about how his dad didn't really know how to use it, though. Like, he had it, and they played music and everything. But this is when Herc kind of started using it and uh, would basically be like, okay, he saw someone at a, at a show or something or wherever it was. He was like, oh, they had, he's like, the way he was using it, he had a turntable hooked up to it. And he's like, oh okay, well, we got turntables. So he's like, he used a preamp uh, to connect the turntable and the speaker. And then this way, he basically utilized how to use this sound system to its fullest capacity. And, you know, he always says, he's like, my dad didn't know how to use it. He's like, but his dad would use it for little uh, parties as well. So at some point, uh, him and his dad would fight over who was going to use this PA system, right? 
And this is around the time where he was like fiddling with stuff, you know, playing music. His dad was always still buying records, and he would go through these records. And the thing about Cool Herc and his dad is this like the records they would get or that they would, you know, that he eventually would play were not like shit that people really hadn't heard before. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. But like I said, so this is when Herc started like doing, you know, kind of messing with stuff, playing stuff. He wasn't, this is, he says he's done parties before that monumental party on August 11th, 1973, right? But August 7th, 1973, August 11th, is the date that everyone cites as hip-hop's birthday. So, that being said, you know, whether... And that's the thing. When it comes around this time, there's a lot of misconstru... You know, there's people that said, well, there was DJs throwing parties before Herc. And Herc will even say, yes, there was DJs throwing parties, but there's something that DJ Herc did that nobody else was doing. Everybody else would just kind of throw records on, let them play, right? Well... Come around August, his sister, Cindy, also, let's just stop right now. Herc has always uh, been known as the father of hip-hop, but his sister, Cindy, doesn't really get a lot of recognition. Let's not forget that it was his sister, Cindy, that wanted this party thrown. So as far as I'm concerned, and as far as Herc says, too, Cindy is kind of like the mother of hip-hop, okay? Because it was her idea. His sister, Cindy, wanted a back-to-school party to raise money for clothes, okay? So she asked her big brother, who was 18 at the time, Hey, can you use Dad's sound system? Can we throw this party? Herc was like, hell yeah, we could throw this party. We're good, okay? $25 for the recreational room in the building. And that building is 1520 Sedgwick Avenue in the Bronx, okay? That's why... This is considered the first hip-hop party. The beginning of hip-hop was this time. So $25 for the recreational room in the building that they lived in, 1520 Sedgwick Ave, okay? So he made little flyers, you know, with these cards. And he would even put, like, the records he was going to play on the index cards. So, you know, like, uh, we're going to be playing James Brown. We're going to be playing, you know, this, that, and whatever. So it was 25 cents for the women to get in, 50 cents for the men. Um, And this is considered right here the part when hip-hop started. August 11th, 1973, Cool Herc throwing this back-to-school party, him and his sister Cindy. And uh, basically, the reason that this ended up being so big, so it was a great turnout, right? Everybody came up, and here's why. Around this time, the gangs were so fucking bad in New York that if you went to the wrong club, you were going to get stripped of everything, right? And then there was the discos. Well, in this time, we've all heard the term, the Bronx is burning. This is when landlords were literally torching their apartment complexes to collect insurance money. Either they were doing it themselves or they were paying gang members to do it. And that's why it's always been said the Bronx is burning because during this time you just drive around and there'd either be buildings burned to the ground or the building would be on fire, right? So there was all these kids that didn't really have a place to go, a place to let loose, a place to have fun. They couldn't afford to go to discos. 
and they didn't want to go to clubs because they're probably going to get beat up or get their shit stolen, you know what I mean? So this was like all of a sudden a place that they could go to to let loose, dance, and, you know, have a good time. And it ended up being an extreme success that after this, Herc said, they started doing it almost on a weekly basis, almost every weekend, because they had such a great turnout, they raised such money and people were enjoying it, that they were like, dude, when's the next party? He says he just always remembers hearing, when's the next party? When's the next party? Also, it was a hit because of the music that Cool Herc played. You went to a disco at the time, they're playing mainstream music. You go to a club at the time, they're playing whatever was on the radio. But Cool Herc was different. Cool Herc played a lot of funk. Songs that weren't on the radio. Songs that people didn't really necessarily hear. And because of his dad and him always going out and buying these, you know, ridiculous, unheard of kind of records. Or even if they were James Brown records, he would play songs that people didn't really hear. They might hear something on the radio, but he'd be playing something completely different. And this is during this time at this party. Now, he had played around with this before. Again, he went to he went to shows, he went to little things, he saw what people would get down to. He said he never hesitated to go up to other DJs and be like, hey, what the hell is that? What you playing? Cool, I'm gonna look for this, okay? But what he realized is he saw people wait. They might, you know, be dancing, but they'd wait for that they'd wait for that break in the song, the break beat. And then he'd watch people dance, 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 and that break beat might only be, you know. 30 seconds, whatever, and then it'd be done, and they go back to normal dancing, and that's when he thought, huh, I wonder if there's a way that I can get that breakbeat to continue playing, and this is where the magic of hip-hop was really born right here. Cool Herc had determined, if I get two of the same record, okay, I got two turntables, and I got two of the same record. When that breakbeat plays on the first record, I can cue the second record up right where that breakbeat is. And when that breakbeat's about to end, I can whoop, cue that other one up and continue the breakbeat going. He called this the merry-go-round. This is the first element of DJing in hip-hop right here. The merry-go-round. And he always says... His main record that he knew he could start it off with right off the bat was Apache from the Incredible Bongo Band and Seven Minutes of Funk. You know what I mean? And this, he laughs because he's like, nobody knew of this record, right? I broke this record. And now you'll hear this shit on commercials all the time. Then, you know, you know you hear that he would keep that thing going and people lost their motherfucking minds like they were like hold on the breakbeat's still going i can still dance this is insane you know like and like i said then he'd play the seven minutes of funk from the whole darn family sex machine from james brown uh and then you know he might have that go into another you know, so he might end Apache and then all of a sudden go into, you know, uh, seven minutes of funk and then into Sex Machine and he'd keep these breakbeats going and people were just like, what the fuck is going on? This is insane. 
This is also when they started doing some early champ acts. Now, Cool Herc has always been um, credited with starting Mamelo. So they'd be like, Mamelo, my man, my man, Mamelo. Uh, and then this is where his buddy Cool Herc, uh, this is where his buddy Coke Rock started and is recognized as the first MC, the rapper of, of all time. So you got the first DJ and you got the first MC. And Coke Rock, like I've said in some other episodes, you know, this is early. So he really just kind of uh, would just kind of do almost like some chant packs, like uh, hotel, motel, you don't tell, we won't tell. You know, there's a horse that can't be rode, a bull that can't be stopped, and a disco that cool Herc and Coke Rock can't rock. You know, and the crowd would go fucking nuts. Now, Cool Herc started by doing some of these things, you know, and then Coke Rock would fill in if, like, Herc would go out for a smoke or go to the bathroom, and he was already just kind of like a smooth-talking, you know, badass dude. Coke Rock was not no joke, all right? He'll knock your ass out, sell somebody else a nickel bag of weed, and then, you know, say some fly shit, and then leave with your girl. Like, that was that was how Coke Rock got down, okay? And so people started noticing this so he'd get up there and they'd do like shout outs and be like uh hey hey uh timmy tim uh you double parked my car i need you to move your car and coke rock would be like man these girls would be like man they got vehicles and coke rock in his head would be like man we ain't got no vehicles but now that you think we do you know like what's up name's coke rock what's going on you know this is my man cool herc you know type of shit and so this is just the start of just what was an incredible ride in the 70s. It's always been said the 70s belonged to Cool Herc and Coke Rock. And there, and then again, not only was the merry-go-round crazy, the, the smooth jive-talking from Coke Rock, but remember, Cool Herc comes from Kingston, Jamaica, all about that bass, all about that sound. And this PA system, he juiced the Herculoid as as much as he could so the sound was just in your fucking face and it was everything that this culture needed at that time the young african-american and i mean not even but the puerto rican community everybody needed this at the time they had no outlet and then all of a sudden it's like everybody would flock to these parties they'd be like man fuck the discos, fuck these clubs, I'm going to a Cool Herc party. And it just started growing and growing and growing from there. And it's beautiful just to see how it just, you know, with Cool Herc's innovation of being like, of noticing, hey, these people dance during breakbeats. This is where the term B-boys and B-girls come from. Because as far as Cool Herc was was concerned, when the breakbeat would start, he'd say, all right, B-boys, B-girls, break boys, break girls, come to the center, come to the center and start dancing. And it was a way to express themselves. This was a group of, of kids at this time that were looking for a way to express themselves. And they found it through graffiti, through dancing, break dancing, and going to these parties and listening to DJ Cool Herc and listening to Coke Rock. And that's what sparked the next generation or more people to follow in those footsteps. And eventually, Cool Herc says, like, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't do it at, at Cedric Ave anymore. We couldn't do it. There. And they wouldn't just do it there. They would go to other communities and do it in rec centers 
But eventually, it got too big. They couldn't do it there anymore, right? And Cool Herc always said, we never had any problems. You know, we had two bathrooms. We had an outside area where people could go cool off. And it was chill. But eventually, he had to move. You know, he had to update uh, where he was going to be at, right? So that's when he started actually moving his parties to actual clubs. And this is when, it, like, again, he started getting so big that he moved to the Twilight Zone Club. And it was at the Twilight Zone where he started doing all these shows. More and more people started coming out. More and more people that would be influenced by him started coming out. Problem was, is he was like, I wasn't getting paid anymore. So he's like, I was doing a bigger venue, more people, not more pay. It's like, that's what he didn't like. And that's when he eventually got a job at the Hevalo, another club. It was at the Hevalo where all of a sudden he's like, okay, I'm going to control this. I'm going to control the door. I'm going to get this money, and we're going to continue to do this. He also did stuff at the Sparkle, which ended up becoming the Disco Fever. Uh, Coke LaRock has always said before that they would do, they would work at these clubs, and then, uh, you know, club owners were doing the same thing that the landlords were. Uh, once they'd move a club, you know, say uh, Cool Herc and Coke Rock were like, we're not doing this club anymore, moving to the next one. Well, everyone would move with them, right? So then nobody would be going to, say, the Twilight Zone. Coke Rock would be like, next thing you know, burned down, insurance money collected, off to the next one. We'd get done at that one, that one burned down, off to the next one. So this is, and it's funny because even when they ask Cool Herc or Coke Rock, if they knew that they were creating something, they didn't. Remember, they didn't know what they were doing. They were just they were just kids having a good time. They didn't even really like, you know, perf- they were just like, look, we got a party tonight. We're going to have fun. We're going to fucking go. We're going to play some music. And, of course, Herc was always looking for new records to play. This is when he started actually washing the labels off because, remember, Biting, there ain't no biting allowed at this time and for many years after this. So uh, he would wash his labels off so nobody could see what he was playing because everyone would want to know, well, what is it that you're playing? What, what, what is that? I want that. He'd be like, nah, 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 nah. You got to come to my shows. That's the only way you can hear this. Uh, so very smart when it came to that. And then this is when he actually started... Uh, kind of this is when he started paving the way for the next group crop of DJs that actually took the took what he was doing and upped it so around this time they have what they call the holy trinity towards the late 70s of DJing so remember from like 1971 to like 1977 I mean Cool Herc is running shit he's known throughout all the boroughs uh, his sound system, the Herculoid, is fucking nuts. He's got a crew now. He's got uh, Clark Kent with him. Not DJ Clark Kent, the original Clark Kent, and uh, some others. And so he started having, like I said, he had his whole thing sewed up, right? He had his group. He had his MC. He had the sound system, Cool Herc, and Coke Rock, and the Herculoids were just running shit in the mid-'70s, Right? Just and it's unprecedented again the things they were doing. You, I've watched many interviews from people that 
went to his parties and they were just like it was just it was like a breath of fresh air something we didn't even realize we needed and again it's just funny they didn't even know what they're doing they're just like we're just throwing a party for my sister to get some money for some back to school clothes right um and now it's around this time where uh he influenced some people like i said the holy trinity of djs is around this time where number two he always says the second dj that came up and really started doing parties like him was africa bambata africa bambata took what uh what 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 cool herc had done and put his own spin on it and really started making some noise himself he was so just enthralled by what cool herc did that africa bambata stopped being in a gang and started the zulu nation to basically be like enough of this gang shit we need to channel all this energy into hip-hop that's how we're gonna make this shit work uh, you know, and then he also influenced a man by the name of Grandmaster Flash, okay? Now, Flash, obviously, I'm not going to go too in because we are going to be covering some Grandmaster Flash later in this month uh, in the Furious Five. But uh, he also influenced Flash, so they had, like, what they called a friendly fun competition with each other. That's what Cool Herc always says, um, you know, because Grandmaster Flash would say some stuff, you know, like, Oh, but there's only one Grand Master or whatever. And uh, there's a story about that they said Cool Herc had did this to Africa Bambada, but he actually says it was Clark Kent. So they were at a club, and uh, Herc and uh, Cool Herc and them were a little late, so Bambada was still going. And so Clark Kent got on this massive PA system, and one thing that the Herculoid, the sound system, was always known for was all this noise and it would just echo like you 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 will 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 make 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 my 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 you know kind of like that and people would say it would just blow the fucking joint well clark kent got on and was like africa bam bada 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 turn 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 your sound 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 down 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 or you will 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 be be drowned drowned out 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 or whatever basically being like because uh, they said to turn it down, and then when he didn't, all of a sudden, you know, Herc laughs. He's like, you give a man that much power with that sound system. And like, he, you know, he says Clark Kent was pretty young at the time, and he just fucking was like, stop what you are doing or whatever. And Bambada stopped what he was doing and was like, okay, my system isn't as loud, you know. Uh, and Herc was always about that, too. He says one thing that he enjoyed back in the day was the battle of the sound systems. Who had the louder sound system who was rocking the the funkiest shit obviously but who had the system that was the loudest and you know nothing was fucking with the herculoid at that time right he also did some shit to grandmaster now this was actually uh herc that says he did this they were at a show one time and uh it was he basically drowned him out too he was like this is he's like you got to turn it up this is what they call the bass and then he said the bass would hit and he's like this is called the high and then went high and then herc was basically just fucking he's like and we will walk you out 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 or whatever and he's like i don't know he's like from what i heard grandmaster flash left the club because again cool herc had got at him and drowned him out and was like get out 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 you know type shit uh, I love that shit. I just love... And he's like, there was no ill will towards any one of those two guys. He's like, it was a fun competition. Uh, they were masters of their craft. He said, you know, they both took elements of what Cool Herc did 
put their own spin on of it on it they were themselves and they and they brought it even further you know africa bambata was playing music that a lot of people had never heard of and grandmaster flash was the first dj instead of doing the merry-go-round trick he was like what if i do a little a little scratch you know that's grandmaster flash he invented that shit and we'll get into that in the next episode but anyway so you had that holy trinity of djs Cool Herc, Africa Bambata, and Grandmaster Flash. And Herc always said he liked it. You know, he was like, as far as I was concerned, he's like, it was always a fun competition. He's like, and it's no fun if it's just you rocking all the time. He's like, it makes you perfect your your craft even more. And obviously he's, you know, he's, he's correct. Like, there's no doubt about it. Um, and so... This is when, you know, Cool Herc was probably at his height right here in the 1977 um, time frame. And this is where his star kind of starts to fade a little bit. Uh, and so, again, he's doing all these uh, clubs. You know, he's, he's working uh, at a lot of these clubs, you know, the Hevelo and whatnot. Uh, and then something just absolutely, like, terrible happened to him, okay? So in 1977, he was stabbed at one of the clubs he was working out. He was working at. Um, so, like he said, he said he walked right into it. He should have known that it was going to happen. He got stabbed in the hand. Uh, he always jokes like, "I got stabbed and pierced like Jesus Christ," and then got stabbed two more times uh, in his side. And he was in bad shape. He was in critical condition. Uh, even though you know, cool hurricane, no joke. He says he walked to the fucking uh, the hospital, grabbed a block of ice off of the uh, sidewalk and put it on his wounds when he walked in. But he was in rough shape uh, to the point where Coke it really shook him because he said he left for a little bit, came back and then heard all the commotion was going on. Uh, Coke was ready to go smoke some people. Right? Uh, he's, he tells a story that Cool Herc's dad was like, give me your gun because I know you're going to go out and try to do something. I'll give your gun back to you tomorrow, but for now, give me the gun. You need some time to cool down. Coke Rock is like, I don't want to give you my gun. And he's like, just give me my gun. This, All this is when Herc is in the hospital. Coke Rock did give Herc's dad his gun, and he did get it back the next day. And from what, uh, you know, it's misconstrued a little bit. Coke Rock says that uh, the people ended up like fleeing or leaving. Herc says that they he ha- he did see them time and time after that, and that they had gotten um, arrested or something. Whatever ended up happening, uh, this really made Herc stop doing the club scene. It was after this where it really kind of shook him to his core, to the point where he was like, "I don't want to do this shit anymore." And when he stopped. That in correlation with the blackout that had happened uh, earlier in the year. So the blackout was when New York lost uh, electricity, and it was during that time a lot of looting happened. And it's always been cited that there was basically Cool Herc, Africa Bambada, and Grandmaster Flash. After the blackout, all of a sudden there was uh, DJs all over the fucking place because people stole systems, turntables, this, that, and whatever. Um, nonetheless, you know, the blackout was kind of dope because it brought a lot of people to the forefront 
that might have never been able to afford some shit, right? Anyway, so in correlation with the stabbing, he kind of left the scene, and then this is when the next generation really just took over. Flash just got even bigger, eventually got MCs with Melly Mel and Kid Creole and Cowboy uh, to eventually form the Furious Five. Uh, Africa Bambata just continued to progress with the Zulu Nation. Then you started having DJs like DJ Hollywood, which is, in, you know, very influential, does not get talked about enough. Uh, DJ Hollywood started doing his thing, uh, progressing the uh, hip-hop uh, chant backs and everything. Uh, and then Melly Mel just obviously progressed the whole hip-hop scene around with Grandmaster Kaz and the Cold Crush Brothers. And this is when that next generation really just started taking care of it and this is when cool herc star kind of started to dim again he, he vanished for a while he did eventually come back but it wasn't like the same right like by this time uh djing was different hip-hop was different there was now records that are being put out and he was never mad about that because again he's always said that he's like i started this this is my baby hip-hop is my baby to watch it do what it did he's like is a beautiful thing so he did resurface here and there. He also had a role in the 1984 film uh, starring as himself, Beat Street, which is a fucking great movie. I love Beat Street. Um, and you know, he was only in there for a little bit, but he at least resurfaced uh, in there. And then this is when he started struggling with a crack addiction, um, most pretty much throughout all the 80s. Uh, and then he eventually did get clean. And uh, pretty much from there on out was never, like I said, you would only hear bits and things from him. He might do some shows or whatever. Now remember, Cool Herc never really recorded any music. He was so early in his career by making this, he never made anything, right? So there's really nothing out there to be like, oh, go listen to this Cool Herc record. Uh, what you can do is find what he did and some of the records he played and uh, how he broke these records. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, that seven minutes of funk. Well, look at that. But that beat ended up being used by EPMD with It's My Thing from Jay-Z from uh, uh, Ain't No, you know, whatever. I mean, that beat was broke by DJ Cool Herc. There was a lot of these songs that people never heard before until they went to a Cool Herc party and then heard that shit. And then most of the time, people might be recording that, pass these tapes around, which is the same thing with the Cold Crush Brothers. You know, Kaz doesn't really have uh, records out there from those early times. He does, but not like to the extent of Melly Mel and Cool Mo D. But we all know that Grandmaster Kaz... You ask any of those old MCs, Cold Crush Brothers were fucking something ill, right? And there's a lot of tapes that were getting recorded and passed around, bootlegged. Same thing kind of with DJ Cool Hurt, right? So in his later years, uh, like I said, he was in Beat Street. He also in 1994 perfor performed with Terminator X uh, at the, uh, the Godfathers of Threat album, uh, Super Bad in 2005 um and then he also you know he had some sp uh stops and where he wrote like a forward and jeff chang's book on hip-hop uh so you know things here and there that he did uh here in the you know he was always still involved in hip-hop doing parties here here and there doing some shows and whatnot uh in 2011 he ended up getting a serious 
illness and he had to have surgery for kidney stones but he didn't have any health insurance so DJ Premier really reached out uh, and helped out to kind of raise money for Herc and um, to this day you know Herc is still doing his thing Uh, you know he's obviously almost in his 70s now and he still does parties here and there Uh, he still never made any records Um, and unfortunately he does get a lot of praise from some people but not enough from others he has finally been recognized as the father of hip-hop August 11th has been recognized as the birthday of hip-hop which is when obviously he threw that first party in 1973 this year hip-hop turns 50 it's only right that we do a review or not even a review an or an overview of dj cool hurt um it his importance to hip-hop cannot be overlooked i know i say this about a lot of artists but when it comes to cool herc he is the most important without question yes i know on the last episode sugar hill gang obviously brought hip-hop to the masses but when it comes to creating this art form that i personally love so much that has changed my life um i can do nothing but sit here and give cool herc his flowers uh without cool herc we might not be doing this sure maybe it would have maybe somebody else might have done something maybe it could have but maybe it wouldn't have lasted cool herc really sparked a generation you know that's what gave grandmaster flash and africa bambada and a countless amount of others grandmaster kaz melly mel you know all this it inspired them they in part inspired you know run dmc the fat boys houdini uh and which then in part you know inspired krs1 big daddy kane rock him and the list just goes on then that goes to nas biggie Tupac, Jay-Z, and it just, you know, then to DMX, and and it just continues going. I think as it went on, some of the new artists forgot or never really did their research to figure out how this was all made, but the real ones have, okay? And that's why I just want to personally, whether he hears this or not, doesn't matter. Cool Herc, thank you for creating something that means so much to me that has changed my life uh the whole reason i'm even doing this podcast right now the whole reason i even uh started making music and thank you for sparking and starting by far the greatest genre of music that has ever existed and it came from nothing and it just came from a guy with an idea that just wanted to rock the party you know what i mean Uh, straight from the slums and just fucking rock that shit up. DJ Cool Herc, y'all. I mean, what more can you say? The guy is a legend, the father of hip-hop. And we're obviously releasing this this week. Friday will be August 11th. That will be the birthday of hip-hop. So, you know, by all means, I gave you some information here. This was good. Go listen to the Combat Jack show. Go listen to some of his interviews. Hearing him talk is amazing. Uh, and it's just, you know, you got to give it up to the guy. What what more can you say? DJ Cool Herc, a motherfucking monster. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, my brother, for, sh- for real. So, man, yeah, that's some shit right there. Almost brings me to tears thinking about it. Like, you know, this, this shit right here, this thing called hip-hop. 
It, it's something amazing, you know? And Cool Herc said it best. He said, through what I've created, it's like Martin Luther King's dream has come true. And he said, what I mean by that is when he said, I want to imagine little black, uh, little black girls and little white boys holding hands. Um, you know, that's what hip hop is, guys. Hip hop is just such a mixture of everything, uh, making music together, whether you're white, black, you know, Puerto Rican, Asian, Hindu, it doesn't matter. Uh, he said, you could, I created something that you can be a felon and still get a job, you know? And he's like, I'm proud of that. And I thought that that was the realest thing he ever said was by saying, I feel like through what I've created through hip hop, Martin Luther King's Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream has come true with that with that exact line right there. All of us working together, enjoying this music and just, you know, loving one another. That's beautiful. That's hip hop, y'all. 100 percent. So, man, give it up to a motherfucking legend. As always, make sure you click subscribe, like, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bring the Noise Podcast. We got more triple OGs coming all month long. We're giving it up to the pioneers. And uh, you know who I am. I am straight the clipper. I'm Audi 5000. Peace out to my mellow, my man. <laughs> One, two, three.